Have you ever wondered, why exactly did God give us His only beloved Son? Why did Jesus have to go to the cross? Wasn't there some other way He could have saved us? After all, God is omnipotent. He is all-powerful and almighty. Just say the word and the dead is raised, the sick is healed, and sins are forgiven. So was it necessary for the word of God to downgrade from the Most High, to come down from heaven, to become incarnate as human? And why did Jesus have to go through his passion and death to save us? Can he just say the word, you are forgiven? Hello and welcome. The Setting Apart podcast is a pit stop where you can get nourished, encouraged, and refreshed whenever you need a break. I'm your host, IP, and every episode I get to share my stories, my outlook, my reflections on all things inspired through the lens of faith. So grab yourself a coffee, sit back, relax, and chill. In this episode, in seeking the answers to the questions in the prologue, we are seeking the meaning of how deep is God's love for us. For those of you joining us for the first time, welcome to the Setting Apart podcast. I will be sharing a story or reflection of mine through the lens of faith. In other words, my reflection will be based on a reading from sacred scripture. In particular, I pray over the scripture using Lexio Divina. In every episode, I have show notes posted on my website where you can check out the resources and references I cited and used for the podcast. The URL for the website is www.settingapart.com. Setting apart is one word. But first, I would like to say a few words about episode number seven, Community of Faith, Do Intercessions Work? I wish to kind of post an addendum for a couple of details that didn't come out quite right after some pre and post uh, production editing. For those of you who caught my interview with Catholic SG Radio last Wednesday, one of the things I said about creating and producing podcasts is that it is a lot of work, especially when it comes to post-production on the back end. I will leave a link to the interview down on my episode or show notes in case you want to check it out. In any case, the two things I wish to correct are Number one, the gentleman who worked on my courtesy car in his garage, while I waited comfortably in his house, he actually had to run back and forth a couple of times to the automotive outlets to get more spare parts each time um, to try and get my car started again. So that went about a couple of more, you know, a couple of times. And this is material. Why? Because uh, it goes to show he did not just give a half-asset effort, but he actually went the full nine yards and beyond. That is, he went full on in helping me out. Secondly, when it was ascertained that the gentleman had done all he could, I asked if he could help arrange for towing 
in the US side, which I would pay for it, of course. But the gentleman offered to tow my car across the border instead, given that it was a Sunday and most workshops would be closed. So that is material. Again, it shows that the gentleman went full on in helping a complete stranger stranded in the middle of nowhere. Now, on hindsight, it was truly a blessing having received this act of kindness and generosity from a stranger to another. This is a good reminder of what loving your neighbor looks like. Now, on to my story for this episode, involving yet again my dog, Spud. Now, dogs are called men's best friend. And some studies have shown that dog owners tend to experience some health benefits associated with having dogs around. If you have ever heard of Hachiko, the Japanese Akira Inu, the story of the dog's loyalty to his best friend or owner is legendary. Movies have been made based on the true story. The unconditional love and companionship that dogs offer are invaluable. In turn, many dog owners would consider their dogs um, as part of their family members, a part of the human pack. There are many upsides for having a dog, for sure. However, there is a major downside, and that is when it comes to the time of their passing, it can be tough, especially when the bond you have with them is deep. Now, I have pretty much been a dog person since growing up in Canada. Currently, we have Spud, an English Springer Spaniel we adopted from the military dog unit about two years ago. Prior to Spud, I've had a Rottweiler and a Golden Retriever together. Both were also adopted. They were big but super sweet, gentle giants. They have given so much love and joy to everyone around them. It's unbelievable. Now, getting Spud was kind of a long shot. First, there were literally hundreds of applications for a handful of dogs that were put up for adoption that year. The odds are, from the get-go, were slim. In fact, less than 1%. Secondly, Spot was not our first choice. We had initially fixed our eyes on a black Labrador retriever instead. But when we found out that we were selected for Spot, We were just as happy, thinking that if this were to be um, part of God's plan for us, then we shall embrace it. We had absolutely no control of the selection process until the very end to either say yes or no. Now, Spud, we think, is quite adorable. He is playful affectionate, a really smart and highly trainable dog, and he loves to work. So all these are some really good attributes to have in any dog. Physically, while he appears younger than his age, he was 9 and now he is 11, he's had a couple of physical issues. First, he had a recurring ear infection for the longest time based on his medical uh, records, of which we have completely nipped since having him. And secondly, he has early signs of arthritis, which we are managing as best we can. But we know that this is a chronic condition and it will get worse. But, and this is a big but, Spud does come with some behavioral issues. He is a skittish dog with a history of biting his handler. 
possibly due to mishandling by one of them. After all, these are NS boys rotating every couple of years, presumably, and has displayed clear resource-guarding tendencies. So I read up on the breed, and based on my observation of him at the military kennel, my personal assessment was that this issue of his are pretty much workable. My wife and I felt confident in providing a forever retirement home for Spud, and so we went ahead to adopt him. During the first week, Spud was a Velcro dog. He just followed me everywhere and anywhere. Thank goodness he lightened up after he was more settled. As expected, he is a fast learner. For example, as I developed routine to take him out daily, he got it right away. So that was really cool. I mean, he went from um, doing his business in a kennel to doing his business outside the home right off the bat. The change was instant and was impressive. Another thing is Spud is used to pulling on the leash and he pulls hard. It's deceiving how much power is packed into that little body of his. That took a little bit of work, but after a week or so, he's no longer pulling the leash on walks, say, about 90% of the time. Now, that is markedly different and, again, remarkable progress. So things kind of took off nicely until the next couple of months that followed when my wife and I were bitten by Spot not once, not twice, but three times each. Now, I have a few things to say about that. First, Spot is not an aggressive dog. Second, all dogs, they do bite. Whether they actually bite depends on their bite threshold and the trigger. So if you could improve the threshold or remove or recondition the trigger, uh, you could change the behavior. Third, as mentioned, um, we were aware of his issues, but we didn't know about his threshold level and trigger points until much later. Now, before turning this into a dog training podcast, let me say that we did not give up on Spud. We remain committed to continue working on his issues through desensitizing and reconditioning techniques with regards to his resource guiding behavior while giving him the time, space, and lots of love and patience in helping him overcome his nervousness. Let me tell you, his bites are painful. My wife is still trying to overcome her trauma until today, but we never give up on him. It would have been so easy to just return him to the military unit, um, but we did not. We did not give up on him, and we could not give up on him. We know we can give him a better retirement home and lifestyle than putting him back at the kennel. For one thing, Spot no longer has any ear infection now that he's with us, whereas it was a recurring problem for him at the kennel. It's been more than two years now since we first adopted Spot, and he is still with us. There's still work left to be done, but he's come a long way. Now, the key takeaway here is that despite being bitten by him, not once, not twice, but three times, we did not and could not give up on him. Now, the scripture reading for this episode's reflection is from one of the most popular verses in the Bible. It's from the Gospel of John, chapter 3, verses 16 to 18. Once again, that's John, chapter 3, verses 16 to 18. And I read, For God loved the world so much that He gave His only Son, 
so that everyone who believes in Him may not be lost, but may have eternal life. For God sent His Son into the world not to condemn the world, but so that through Him the world might be saved. No one who believes in Him will be condemned, but whoever refused to believe is condemned already because he has refused to believe in the name of God's only Son. End of reading. As part of my Lectio Divina prayer over this passage, the overwhelming grace that flows out to me was repentance. And the phrase that caught my attention was verse 16. For God loved the world so much that he gave his only son, so that everyone who believes in him may not be lost, but may have eternal life. For God loved the world so much that he gave his only son, so that everyone who believes in him may not be lost, but may have eternal life. For God loved the world so much that he gave his only son, so that everyone who believes in him may not be lost, but may have eternal life. In John 3.16, it captures in my mind the perfect love God has revealed to us. I feel repentant because in contemplating on God's love, I realized how far I am in loving the way Jesus loves us. As it is written, God is love in 1 John chapter 4, verse 8. In this episode, I want to go deeper in unpacking God's love for us so we can all have a better appreciation so that we may be moved to love others as God loves us. Now, what is love? What is agape? Well, let's start by framing the first letter of John chapter 4, verse 10, as it is written. And I quote, Love consists in this. It is not we who loved God, but God loved us and sent His Son to expiate our sins. Unquote. So God reveals His love for us in two ways. First, by sending us His Son, and secondly, for the restoration of the human race by expiating our sins. Have you ever wondered why exactly did God have to give us His only beloved Son? Why did Jesus have to go to the cross? Wasn't there some other ways He could have saved us? These are the questions St. Thomas Aquinas addressed in his Summa Theological. That's what we are going to do for this episode, to contemplate and reflect on what God's love looks like. He had no need to create us, nothing to gain by saving us. He is utterly perfect and self-sufficient within himself as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Yet, Paul writes, and I quote, So it is proof of God's own love for us that Christ died for us while we were still sinners. And, unquote. and this is from Romans 5, verse 8. God 
did not wait until we demonstrated our love toward him. He poured out his love for us while we were still sinners. Now, this total act of divine self-giving is a great mystery. Indeed, it almost seems like such a love contradicts God's very own nature. God, who needs nothing from us, gives everything for us. Now, to go deeper, I turn to Summa Theologica by St. Thomas Aquinas. In the first part, question 20, article 1, St. Thomas Aquinas defines love as, and I quote, Love is the first movement of the will. An act of love always tends towards two things, to the good, the one who wills, and to the person for whom one wills it, since to love a person is to wish that person good, unquote. And this is translated as, to love is to will the good for another, which we are all quite familiar with. In other words, love is not just a feeling, but it is a choice. A choice to choose the good for another in place of the good for yourself. Now, there's always an element of self-sacrifice here. And that is exactly what God does by sending His only Son to us for the Word of God to incarnate as human. But is that necessary though? So in Summa Theologica, Part 3, Question 1, Article 2, St. Thomas asked the question, whether it was necessary for the restoration of the human race that the Word of God should become incarnate. And he writes, It would seem that it was not necessary for the reparation of the human race that the Word of God should become incarnate. If the incarnate Word of God restored human nature, He could also have restored it without assuming flesh. For God with this omnipotent power, could have restored human nature in many other ways. Let me pause there. If God's objective is to save us from going to hell, He could have done it in many other ways. For example, just by forgiving our sins on Judgment Day, for example. He is Almighty God. He can do whatever He chooses to. Yet, He chose to become incarnate for the expiation of our sins, so we may be united with God in the new heavenly kingdom. Let me continue. First, with regard to faith, which is made certain by believing God himself who speaks. Hence, Augustine says, in order that men might journey more trustfully toward the truth, the truth itself, the Son of God, having assumed human nature established and founded faith. Let me pause there. So when the incarnate Word of God became flesh, the invisible God is now revealed to us through Him so that we can deepen our faith by our personal encounter with God Himself who speaks. Continuing on. Secondly, with regard to hope, which is thereby greatly strengthened. Hence, Augustine says, Nothing was so necessary for raising our hope as to show us how deeply God loved us. And what could afford us a stronger proof of this than that the Son of God should become a partner with us of human nature? 
In other words, our faith or our belief in the truth that Christ reveals to us in turn gives us hope. Continuing, thirdly, with regard to charity, which is greatly enkindled by this. Hence, Augustine says, What greater cause is there of the Lord's coming than to show God's love for us? And he afterwards adds, If we have been slow to love, at least let us hasten to love him in return. Fourthly, with regard to well-doing, in which he set us an example. Hence, Augustine says in a sermon, Men who might be seen was not to be followed, but God was to be followed who could not be seen. And therefore, God was made men that he who might be seen by men and whom men might follow might be shown to men. Again, the invisible God is revealed to man through Christ when he became flesh. Fifthly, with regard to the full participation of the divinity. And this is bestowed upon us by Christ's humanity. For Augustine says in a sermon, God was made man that men might be made God. Hence, Pope Leo says in a sermon on nativity, weakness is assumed by strength, lowliness by majesty, mortality by eternity, in order that one and the same mediator of God and men might die in one and rise in the other. For this was our fitting remedy. Unless he was God, he would not have brought a remedy. And unless he was men, he would not have set an example. So there you have it. What frees the human race from perdition is necessary for the salvation of men. But the mystery of the incarnation is such, according to John 3 verse 16, God so loved the world as to give his only begotten Son, that whosoever believe in him may not perish, but may have life everlasting. Therefore, it was necessary for men's salvation that God should become incarnate. End of quote. Now we turn to the second part of the question. Now, why did Jesus have to go to the cross? Wasn't there some other way he could have saved us? Well, St. Thomas says in the Sumer that God actually could have saved us in a number of different ways. In other words, he had the power to forgive us simply by declaring us forgiven if he would want to do that. But in his divine wisdom, he chose to save us through the passion and death of Christ through the cross, precisely because the cross is the perfect sign of his love for us. In Summa Theological Part 3, Question 46, Article 3, St. Augustine says this, There was no other more suitable way of healing our misery than by the passion of Christ. Therefore, God not only showed us his good will, but that he loves us with a divine love.
that He loves us with a sacrificial love, that He loves us with a love so great that He's willing to mount the wood of the cross, to be lifted up on the wood of the cross, to taste the suffering and the shame of this horrific death so that we might know that He loves us and that He wants us to love Him in return. As it is written in John 3.17, For God sent His Son into the world, not to condemn the world, but so that through Him the world might be saved. I'm going to leave the Summa that I quoted from St. Thomas Aquinas in my show notes, so please feel free to check it out. As it is also written in Romans 5 verse 8, So it is proof of God's own love for us that Christ died for us while we were still sinners. You see, God did not wait until we demonstrated our love toward Him. He poured out His love for us while we were still sinners. In other words, God poured out His love for us gratuitously without expectation, knowing full well that we can reject Him with our gift of free will so that we might know that He loves us and that He wants us to love Him in return. Why? So that we might be saved. You see, Jesus Christ did not come down to just save us from going to hell. Hell no. He came to restore us, to be reunited with God the Father in the new heavenly Jerusalem, in the new creation. How? We've covered this extensively in the introduction series of the podcast. Love God and love your neighbor. Feel free to revisit them again as often as you like. Now, this truth is fully revealed in the gospel. Insofar as you did this to one of the least of the brothers of mine, you did this to me. That was Matthew 25 verse 40. And according to St. Catherine of Siena, this is what Jesus revealed to her. Your neighbor is put in this world for you to be perfected in your love for God, to do for your neighbor what you cannot do for God, since God loved us gratuitously, not out of duty, but we love God out of duty, not gratuitously. And that was from St. Catherine of Siena. And from the parable of the sheep and the goat, how were they judged? Well, for I was sick, you visited me. I was hungry, you fed me. I was thirsty, you gave me drink. I was a stranger, you made me welcome. Lacking clothes, and you clothed me. In prison, you visited me. Again, this is taken from Matthew chapter 25. In other words, we are judged by our love for our neighbor, to love them gratuitously, not out of duty and without expectation. That is exactly how God loves us. He loves us gratuitously without expectation, since He gave us the gift of free will. Again, knowing fully that some of us may not choose Him even though He died for all on the cross. If only we can learn to love strangers like the way we love our pets. We love them gratuitously without expectation, connecting the dots to my reflection 
We don't expect Spa to reciprocate and take care of us. He's just a dog. If anything, he's probably going to pass on well before we do. Now, if I can love my dog by not giving up on him despite his insecurity issues, despite being bitten by him, why am I not loving my neighbor like I am capable of? Why am I not loving my neighbors like the lovely couple who rendered their love to me, their help to me, a complete stranger, completely without any expectation from me? As it is written in Luke chapter 14, verses 13 to 14, when you hold a banquet, it says, do not invite your friends or relatives or wealthy neighbors but invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, because blessed indeed will you be because of their inability to repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. For God loved the world so much that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him may not be lost but may have eternal life. For God sent his son into the world not to condemn the world, but so that through him the world might be saved. In order for us to be saved, God has revealed his love for us through Jesus, through his incarnation, through his passion, death, and resurrection so that we might know that He loves us and that He wants us to love Him in return. Why? Because to be holy is to love. We cover that in episode number one. To love God is to love our neighbor. To love is to will the good for another. Everyone, regardless of who we are, has a neighbor to love to love the way that Christ loved us. I invite you to get to know the love of Christ by picking up the Bible and listen to what he's got to say. Thank you for listening to the Setting Apart podcast. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and get notified so you won't miss any new episodes. And please feel free to give me your ratings and reviews so that others may get to listen as well. Thank you and God bless.